Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Farming for Passive Income show, where we strive to educate the agricultural community on commercially investing as limited partners and active investors. Today, we are joined with um, John Spathard, Don Spathard, excuse Don. me. Spafford. <laughs> Mr. Spathard um, has a really interesting niche of commercial real estate. It's almost hospitality in a way as well, um, RV parts, which is something that is very niche. Um, and so Don, welcome to the show. And we would love to hear your story, man. Yeah, thanks, Casey. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, well, just, you know, right off the bat, of course, to give some distinction, you know, what we, what my team at Happy Camper Capital, we invest in is, uh, we actually call, uh, refer to as RV resorts or RV destination campgrounds, um, not, not so much RV parks. Um, there's a big, I guess, uh, you know, uh, a spectrum of, of different asset classes within the RV industry as well. But uh, mm -hmm. so like RV parks for us are kind of more similar to like mobile home parks where people are living there more long-term and, um, you know, not too many amenities. Whereas what we focus on is more like the amenity focused, you know, RV resort destination campgrounds where people come and have a good time and they go back home. They don't, you don't live there, at least not uh, long-term, right? Um, I guess okay. some people stay for like a full season, you know, summer, winter or something, but, uh, but uh, it's not where they can actually call home. So, um, so that's kind of what we, what we focus on, but um yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of background about myself. So I, I currently live in uh, Idaho Falls, Idaho. Uh, so that's about an hour and a half away from Yellowstone Park, at Eastern Idaho. Yeah, uh, I grew up most of my life around uh, Omaha, Nebraska, though. Um, so I've been all around, you know, I guess farmland, I guess, <laughs> pretty much my whole life. Um, but uh, so we moved here to Idaho in 2015 uh, for family reasons to help take care of my mom. Uh, and uh, but I was here where we got started investing in real estate. Um, my, my wife became a realtor in time when we lived in Omaha. Uh, so we, she worked with investors, but we, we ourselves never had invested until we moved here um, and and kind of took that, I guess, leap of faith to, to get involved. Um, mm. You know, at, at the time uh, I saw that, you know, from my perspective, I guess I see real estate as the the shortcut to financial independence. You know, uh, I've been following the, the financial independence or fire movement for, for quite some time. And most people in that space kind of, uh, you know, build up that, that fire perspective from from building up your big nest egg of your your ira yeah. or something and you know and is that an acronym fire yes yeah sorry it stands for a, a financial independence retire early gotcha uh, so basically okay. you know you, you can you retire early from your work um by by having passive income through some form or another um as i said most people in that space kind of you know you're talking about save up you know like you know a million plus in your in your ira or something and have that that uh, interest or dividend income to kind of live off of <clears throat> Well, for me, that was never going to be something that was going to be possible, really. Yeah, I didn't have a high income. Uh, I would never be able to save up enough to really do anything so much that aspect of it. So I saw real estate as an alternative option for that because uh, real estate I can get into with a lot less money out of pocket, really, uh, but create the income that that uh, I need. That's you know the, the main point of that that uh, that giant you know nest egg in, in, in a portfolio is to have that income from it. So. If I can produce that same amount of income with a lot less money saved up, then you know that's much better route for me. Um, so that's kind of what motivated me to, to get into real estate. And um, I bought our, our first property it was a, a fourplex in 2017, uh, and then bought a couple more fourplexes a year and a half later. Uh, and then I started moving up to more commercial type of properties, with, including some some development projects, and, uh, and and now with these RV resorts. Mm -hmm. um, so so for me that, that was for the the the. I guess the, the main motivating factor for me to get into real estate investing was for that, to kind of create that digital income source. <clears throat> one, so I didn't have to rely on, on uh, my, my single uh, W-2 income. Uh, and, you know, just in case something were to happen, you know, and I lose that job or if something happens to me and 
there'll be some still some income to come in to help support my family. Uh, but ultimately, the, the the end goal is to, of course, build up that uh, passive income from investment properties to be able to leave that W-2 job and, and uh, kind of dedicate full time to real estate or anything else I'd want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah, kind of how that, I really got started it. But that really hit home when, you know, COVID hit in 2020 and you started investing around 2015, right? 17. So 2017, yeah. 2017, yeah. So pretty good timing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah. you mentioned you started, you know, diving into it and you were doing fourplexes for a while. So what was mm-hmm. the, some of the logic that you were running through your head from fourplexes to kind of hopping into commercial? Yeah, well, it kind of, <clears throat> so, so I guess going back to the, the reason I even got into fourplexes to begin with, because I knew I wanted to be in uh, like, like multifamily or some other type of, of, you know, multiple doors, you know, type of situation. Uh, buying single-family homes for me would would not was not an option. Uh, I did not see the income coming from a single-family uh, property, um, and you know anytime anything would would go wrong after replace you know a major component, like HVAC or whatever, that pretty much wipes out your your cash flow for a full year or more. Yeah. Um, so I, I never saw that as something I could really scale with, and so uh, I wanted to go into to to uh, you know multifamily or commercial real estate, but uh, I didn't yet know how or have the connections to do that. So I started with the biggest I could do, which was with the fourplexes. So uh, my plan was just to continue buying fourplexes uh, as much as I could to get as many doors as I could to to produce that income. Um, but along the way, I, I realized that uh, well, one more competition came in. So in 2017, it was relatively easy. I you know that, that first fourplex I bought, I found on Craigslist, and uh, it was a great property. <laughs> so um, you know the the after that, everything else I I try to uh, make offers on, we, we get <clears throat> multiple offers and and usually get outbid. Um, so it became more complicated to, to get into because there are more just more investors in general getting into that space. Um, and so I was trying to get into bigger deals still. I you know, didn't yet know how, as I knew that, that I wanted to scale bigger and get into bigger you know, apartment buildings or something. So I started looking, you know, I, I made a lot of connections with uh, uh, you know, brokers and, and uh, wholesalers uh, just to get properties sent to me that were something you know, bigger. It's like eight, eight to uh, 20 units or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see if I could try to find a way to, to get in one way or another. Uh, you know, if I could at least find the property, I could maybe find a partner to help help do it. Um, anyway, so so kind of just doing that. Um, that's what ultimately led me into these these commercial deals that I got into, kind of uh, somewhat, I guess, purposefully, but not directly in the route I went. You know, so again, okay. I was trying to look into to apartment buildings, but uh, what got sent to me instead were I got this this opportunity to get into a, a land flip deal, uh, which was you know this this great commercial land. Uh, that could be valued a lot more than what it was available for. So I actually got that under contract myself, went and found partners to bring the cash to buy it. Uh, and then, so we, we got into that deal with, with me putting the zero dollars into it. Um, and then we're, you know, flipping that year now later. And then uh, from there, I got into Pretty impressive. another. I mean, how did you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you have connections beforehand just through years and years of running well, through the commercial agents or how did that work? No. Not really. So it was um, the 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 fourplexes that I, I bought uh, in Arkansas. Um, that broker uh, came to me with this land deal. Um, it was a you know, some off market land that another agent friend of hers had had available. Um, these are off market, not listed. Um, and so you know she had bought some. This other agent bought some, and she was trying to kind of share it amongst their their clients of of who could possibly buy or would want to buy. And so. Um, so this opportunity got sent to me. It was like a two and a half acre lot uh, in a prime location. 
but obviously much more than I could afford to, to pay for at the time uh, or even get a loan for. Um, but I was like, I was like, well, well, you know, let's give it a shot. You know, I was like, let's get it under contract and I'll see what I can do. So I basically had like a couple of weeks just to quickly find, <laughs> find a way to, to get it done. And if not, you know, if I, if I had to back out, you know, big deal. I didn't, I wouldn't be out anything. At least it was worth trying. So, yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah, I didn't really have a whole lot of connections even at that point. I was still relatively new, but I'd, I'd made enough connections through, and at that point, mostly through bigger pockets. Um, and, and so I kind of reached out to the people I would connected with in some way or another to see if they'd be interested in it. I had a few people that were interested, but in, in the end, I, I, um, settled on, on a, on someone that's actually in that area, um, who, who'd been on a guest on the bigger pockets podcast. He, you know, he does a lot of house flips in that area. So he had connections to private investors to, to bring the, the capital for those deals. So, so I ultimately partnered with him and then, and one of his, uh, private lenders to, to kind of come with us, all three of us together on that deal. Okay. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it was just, I saw it as, you know, an, an opportunity. I'm like, what do I got to lose to, to give it a try? Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> really, if, if I can't get it done, no big deal. I just, you know, I lose a little bit of my time, but that's a great uh, risk adjusted return proposition right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, so, uh, so from there, like, you know, not, not too long later, maybe, I don't know. Uh, well, I guess a bit later that was in, uh, I guess, 2000. 19 when we closed on that so then in 2021 uh i, I came across uh, so i went back to that same agent that had the, that land and uh asked him if he had any more lots available and so uh, there's another one down the road um that's available and so it kind of did the same thing i got under contract um this time with the intention to build on it i wanted to actually do something with it not just flip it uh and so kind of the same thing i got under contract and then went and uh talked to a few people that could be potential uh partners to, to be interested in it uh found one that uh that liked the idea wanted to build as well and so so we, you know, we kind of pulled their capital, capital together to buy the land and then went through the whole process to to get the the lending on the construction loan and, uh, and the whole process involved with that which you know neither of us had any knowledge of but uh, we figured again just saw it as a great opportunity to, to get involved and it can't be that hard to figure out <laughs> so we just you know took 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 a bit of a leap of faith i guess and, and, uh, yeah. and jumped into it uh, you know, looking back, I probably, you know, would have been better to find a partner that had some experience with development, but, uh, you know, either way we're, we're, we're getting there now. We just broke, broke uh, ground on that, uh, fact this last week. So it took about a year and a half to Congrats. get to this point, but, but, uh, <laughs> at least it's there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's for, we're, we're building a, a five unit commercial strip mall. So, um, multi-tenant okay. commercial building. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Um, so, so yeah, so I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't remember what the original question was, but, uh, oh yeah. So think, so how do I get to that? So. Um, so yeah, it was kind of not, not intentional. I was not saying I'm going to go flip some land. I'm going to go build a commercial building. Yeah. Um, but these are just kind of opportunities that came up, uh, just from, from being involved and, and, you know, having connections with people and, 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 uh, seeing opportunities and not passing over because like, Oh, that's not, that's not multifamily or that's not, you know, whatever. I'm not going to pursue it. I'm like, Hey, this is a good opportunity to, to get a great return. So, you know, why not give it a try? Yep. Just kind of following your path. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah going down down the path so the strip mall interesting and that is that in eastern idaho uh no that's in uh central arkansas oh still in arkansas okay just outside of little rock yeah okay cool so you you went from well, you lived in idaho or are you currently living in, in idaho because yeah, i'm so also idaho. from idaho yep. so very interested in that yeah <laughs> yeah i still live in idaho yes okay uh, and, and so i bought, bought my first property in idaho about the second properties in, in in arkansas and that uh, development land flip overall in arkansas Interesting. And then from there, I came back to Idaho for another big development project here. Okay. Okay. So you just kind of hop and skim development around around the country. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it just came down to 
to connections and opportunities, you know. Um, so, so after that, the this next deal I got into was a very large uh, development here in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Um, some some people that uh, they've they've done some development in the area for for several years. Uh, they'd actually approached me a few years before to invest in one of their their deals that they were doing. Um, but at the time, I did not see it as you know a good enough opportunity for me as compared to what I was doing elsewhere on my own deals. Um, but uh, we kept in contact, and, and uh, they approached me in early 2021 with another smaller project they were doing. Um, I, I was somewhat interested in this one, but uh, at that at that point, though, uh, early 2021, I started becoming more intentional with my networking. I was being more active on social media, uh, going to different meetup events, and and uh, you know webinars and things just to, to connect with more people and other investors, mm-hmm. uh, other you know, people doing commercial real estate deals. Uh, and so just from that, uh, I, I, when these guys came to me with this this, this uh, investor opportunity, I, I told them, hey, I'm I'm connected to lots of other investors now, people that uh, you know have money to invest in these types of things. Uh, if you'd be willing to work with me, I could probably help bring some of that capital to your deals. You know, So uh, they uh, considered that and, and, and agreed. And so I joined with them on, on their team. Uh, and the very next deal that came up was a, a huge development opportunity for eight about you know, around 800 total units uh, to build here in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Uh, wow. So I helped raise capital for that, helped some of the uh, the marketing materials and things for that. Um, again, not something that I was, I'd say, pursuing to, to to say I wanted to get into, but uh, just you know, again, the opportunity came up and, and I, I went for it. So uh, I could have you know been too afraid to ask and and. and but I figured again, what, what have I got to do? Is like I ask if, if they're willing to work with me, great. If not, then you know, no big deal. <laughs> at least yeah. at least I tried and don't don't wonder what if, you know. So uh, exactly so that just that uh, that's kind of I guess that's kind of overall been my natural progression as I've done things. It's just, you know, I I, I see an opportunity and I, I go after it, you know, because I figured I've got nothing to lose. So so why not try? Um and uh so so from there, I was still actually still pursuing trying to get into other standard say multifamily syndication deals. Uh, you know, either as a as a partner on something or finding a property I could take to a, a group to syndicate or uh, even as a JV deal. But during this time now, 2021, I was not finding anything that uh, really stood out to me as a great deal for, for great returns. Um, I was not satisfied with just average returns. I, I look for these like almost like unicorn opportunities. Um, now, could you, uh, could maybe, you walk us through um, some of your return criteria that um, that you aim for and also that you pass on to your investors? What are those like? Is that cash flow, cash on cash related, or is that an IRR, or was that equity multiple? If you could just walk us through some of those different metrics, that would be very helpful. Sure. Yeah. So for me, it was uh, at that point, and still today, I think my my main criteria is the, the cash flow, the cash on cash return. Um, I'm still at that phase where I'm trying to accumulate more passive income, kind of like as I talked about at the beginning with the the, the financial independence. Um, so for me, that was always the, the number one factor. If I saw another opportunity where I could just make a, a you know a big amount of money pretty quickly, then then I like the the, the land flip deal, for example, um, that then yeah, I'd go, I'd go up that as well. But uh, um, but typically, uh, my my criteria for for the cash flow, I'm based off the first few properties I did you know on my own, which of course now of course today's terms are not what they were five years ago, so that, you know it's almost impossible to find the same type of things today. But yeah, um, I was I would try to find anything that. Uh, was at least twenty percent plus cash on cash. Uh, wow. The first few properties I bought were all like like forty percent plus, you know. So uh, they were amazing deals. Though those first ones I got, um, uh, which that pretty first high one, criteria. That first one, yeah, that, that first one in Idaho. I've, I've since actually done a cash out refi on it, and so now I have infinite returns on that one. You know, I have no money in that deal. I pulled more money out than I put into it initially. So 
Um, and it still cash flows very well. Uh, but uh, so so trying to find something that, uh, you know, even at a minimum of say 10% cash on cash uh, became kind of difficult to find anymore. So, um, so I just was patiently waiting, just knowing that there's gotta be something else out there. Something better is going to come along. And uh, that's when I kind of happened to come across the, the RV campground resorts uh, niche. Um, I heard about it on the podcast, uh, looked more into it, went to different uh, webinars and, and meetup events with people that are in that space just to kind of learn more. Uh, and then, and of course, being in, in Idaho, where I'm at in, in close to Yellowstone, it's a very high camping area. Everybody has RVs and campers. And, and so it's a whole lifestyle, really. So, oh, yeah. Um, I, I saw that as a, as a unique opportunity to get into a maybe relatively unknown space. Uh, and many of my, my neighbors I've, I've asked in the past if they'd be interested in investing in real estate with me and some, some like say, multifamily deals or something. Uh, and for the most part, they don't have interest because it's not something they understand. It's not something they, they do. Uh, it's too scary and all that. Uh, so when I asked them about uh, if they would invest in, in campgrounds, what do they think about that? And then so uh, it's a totally different conversation. Now, now there's something they understand. They, they use it. They're like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I'd love to be owner in a place I go to use, you know, so. And that's kind of where I get this, you know, investor you play. It's like, you know, if you're already there hanging out, use these places. Why not invest in it and, and you know make money from it too? So yeah, um, exactly. That's really smart. Yeah, yeah. So 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 what what attracted me to the space initially, um, you know, one of course is besides uh, in a space there's not a lot of competition, so you don't have to like you know outbid twenty other offers. Uh, these campgrounds offer much higher returns than what I'm seeing anywhere else right now at this time. Uh, so typically on our, on our average deal that that we purchase and, and provide to our investors, we're looking at generally around a 15% cash on cash uh, over, over that five-year hold uh, with a total of, uh, you know, maybe a two and a half to three X multiple. Um, so, you know, 20% plus IR, you know, so, uh, so very high return deals as compared to just about anything else right now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at least double what I'm saying in most multifamily or other commercial uh, syndications. Um, so, so that aspect of course is, is, you know, ideal for, for someone like myself that's looking for great cash flows from day one. Um, and then top of that, you know, you, you have the option as an investor, you can actually go to these properties yourself, hang out there, have a good time, you know, create memories, uh, you know, use this investment, you know, rather than just having it on your paper, you know, so, um, yeah. so, so those are some, some great aspects of it. Yeah. The, it's really smart that you bring your investors in. It's almost like a membership, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I guess in a way. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, of course they could go to these campgrounds anyway, but <clears throat> yeah, but uh, you know, being invested in it makes it even, you know, sweeter, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and we, we even provide to our investors if, if they, if they uh, choose to any, any property they are directly invested in, they can actually stay there for up to a week for free each year uh, and get discounts after that and discounts at our other properties as well. So there you go. A little timeshare. Right, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. How does it work? Um, with seasonality there with the seasons changing do you see a lot of turnover or peak seasons low seasons like and how do you how do you guys manage through those if there are any ups and downs yeah and that's of course going to depend by the property and the location um mm-hmm. but uh i say even i guess even in warm climates there's still some seasonality from you know, people that uh, come down for summer winter then go back home but um but yeah there's there's that's uh you know I, I guess a concern that some people have as investors it's like hey this you know, they 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 like the maybe some other asset classes even they have lower returns because it's kind of more consistent they can and say okay each and every month I'm gonna get so much cash flow um, so with our properties there there is some seasonality to that but even then uh, you know say if there's only you know eight months out of the year where it's really kind of on season and it's just generating money 
that still even those eight months is going to produce higher returns than than what those other properties do year round. Uh, but we still do get income in those off seasons anyway. Um, there's multiple things we can do. Uh, so one, first of all, just the, the basics is you know just you know RV and boat storage, so we can charge people just to, to store their their, their things mm-hmm. there. Um, so you know, for them, it's like if they're going to pay to store it somebody else anyway, why why as well just keep it here? Yep. <clears throat> so smart. Uh, two, there we typically have some some cabins or other. Uh, like short-term rental options for people that want to have like a, a family getaway or, or, or you know, whatever type of, of uh, you know, vacation during winter or something, they can still come there and rent those places. Uh, we do have some cases, uh, you know, one of our properties in Iowa, we have some some traveling nurses that, that stay in the properties, you know, year-round uh, while they're working at local hospital. Um, there's also, uh, in many cases, the, 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 some of these properties that, uh, you know, they stay full pretty much all summer long. Uh, so people make the reservations ahead of time. So we still get income from reservations that people prepay during those winter months uh, to kind of still bring in income during those those off times, I guess. Um, then there's also many other options. So for example, uh, we, we've looked into a, a local business uh, for, for one of our properties in Iowa. Uh, a local business actually wants to to rent the space and, and uh, do some profit share with us, do a Christmas light drive-through display. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. that's a kind of a big thing these days too. Is, you know, people just drive through Christmas light displays, and mm-hmm. might as well use the campground for that. And, and it's already got the roads and everything in place. And you know, uh, so so there, there's again, there, there's multiple things we can look at to still produce revenue even in the time when there's not typically considered as a, a revenue season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really smart. Figuring out ways to generate that off-season income is probably yeah a, a big risk from an investor standpoint because that's I mean obviously the, it's easy something to foresee. Um, but at the, on the flip side of that, it's very, it, it seems like they would be very low CapEx and very low budget. Is, is that true? Or what are some of the lookouts that you guys are looking out for? Sure. So, so first of all, all of our properties are, are value added in one way or another. Uh, we typically, uh, do some expansion. So, so we'll say upfront CapEx, we'll say, um, so yeah, we're, we're going to build them out, add on more spaces, add on more amenities, add on more possibly buildings for, for you know, like, a restaurants or, or, or uh, convenience stores or whatnot. Uh, so there's a big CapEx budget up front for, for what we do to make it a nicer property to be more, more uh, produce more income. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going forward, yeah, o- overall, I, I'd say uh, we're not like replacing, you know, you know, hundreds of, of HVAC units or toilets and these kind of things that you do with the apartment building. Um, and there's very little, you know, overall, there's, there's not many buildings on site. So there's not a, a whole bunch of CapEx budget set aside for like replacing roofs or, or that kind of stuff. Um, of course, there's still some things that still will need maintenance, no matter what, uh, you know, you have to, but, but uh, our, our biggest expense overall is going to be more around like staff, uh, you know, as compared to a, an apartment building where you might have a, a property manager and, and uh, a maintenance guy or something, uh, you know, we have to have a, a staff of, you know, probably about a dozen people or so uh, kind of pay them to, to be working there, you know, year round. So, um, so our biggest expense comes from, from, from more staff more than anything else, and then, and then probably insurance next. Um but, uh, but yeah, overall, there's not, you know, a whole lot of repairs to be done or, or uh, pest control or, uh, but, you know, what we like best, of course, about that, we also don't worry about evictions and, uh, you know, eviction moratoriums and uh, replacing carpets and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, it's much more, I, I guess, somewhat easier to manage in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pros and cons to each one. That's an interesting point you bring up about staff, especially as, you know, as it relates to most of your locations are probably more in rural areas, I would imagine, because they're out camping, right? So it's the labor pool is already very limited. So how how do you guys curb that risk? 
Yeah, so there's there uh, some of them tend to be kind of close by others like smaller towns and cities. Um, so there are people that can live nearby, but uh, in other cases, you know, people will tend to just live on on site. Um, so we provide some housing for 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 those that yeah, I guess would need it to, to keep the staff, especially a, a park uh, or campground manager that would be living there on site pretty much to, to manage everything. Um, so there's there's different things. You know, some people don't mind the, the drive. You know, in most cases, our, our properties aren't too far out. They're like not in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and that's part of our criteria. Actually, we, we want properties that are within a, you know a couple hours drive of a major city. Uh, to, to okay. basically have that built-in user base anyway. Yeah. Uh, so so there's probably some people that that you know will live somewhat nearby anyway that can uh, drive there if needed to, uh, you know, for work if they want to live on site. But um, but in some cases, yeah, we would we provide a way to make sure that uh, you know people either have a place to stay on on site if needed, uh, give them some kind of discounted housing or something, mm-hmm. um, which is you know beneficial for them as well. Uh, um, but uh, but yeah, so far it's not really been much of a, a problem for us. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you always hear about these labor shortages and just issues in general um, across lots of different industries. So it's good to hear that it hasn't really hit you guys too hard. Yeah, yeah, not not too much. Uh, you know, and it's it's of course, you know, in most cases we're we're taking over existing campgrounds. There's already staff on hand, uh, so we'll, most part, most of them will stay when we take over. Uh, and of course, we'll review their their performance to make sure we something we want to keep or not. But um, but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, luckily the, the staff is mostly there already. We may, we may uh, replace a, a manager because in most cases these are uh, owner operated, so the current owners have been managing them themselves. So when they're out, we have to bring in a new manager for the campground anyway. Um, but we also have our own uh, campground management company called Beyonder Camp uh, that that oversees all of our campgrounds and, and other third party campgrounds as well uh, to to manage them. You know, to, to do the, the hiring the staff, the training of the staff. Uh, the the software and systems that are needed to operate everything, um, so we have that all that uh, in place as well as part of our our procedures. Okay, yeah, that's smart. So that's another in external company that you guys hire out as the property management company. Correct. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a it's a sister company of, of Happy Camper Capital. Um, okay. Essentially, we have Happy Camper Capital fully owns Beyonder Camp, but but Beyonder Camp is who we essentially pay to manage the properties. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. So um, when I think about, you know, th- this little niche and it's an awesome niche, I, I really do love it. And I love the fact that you guys kind of made it into like this little membership club a week for free. I'd be interested in that all day long. Um, how do you guys sourcing deals? Cause it seems like it's very mom and pop where, you know, mm-hmm. someone, the land came from great grandpa and they expanded it a little bit and they don't have a website. You know, it just seems from an outsider's perspective, me knowing nothing, it would seem difficult to source these deals. So it's surprisingly not actually. Um, we uh, most of our deals we we, we go directly to the owners to, to work them out. Uh, very few of we bought that are like listed through a broker. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing is about campgrounds. If you if you actually want to have a campground and have people come there, you need to advertise it somewhere or another. Yeah, like they may not have a good website. But they typically have it listed in in, uh, in such a good Sam, which is like basically, a, you know, the yellow pages or white pages, or whatever for for campgrounds. So if you want to say okay. you want to go camping in, uh, you know, in, in Idaho, for example, you look up Idaho campgrounds and, and you have a list of them all right there. Uh, so we call up the campgrounds directly, and again, being that most of them are, are owner operated, you can usually get a hold of the owner pretty easily. Um, and so that's what we do. I mean, we just have our, a couple of our acquisitions guys. That's all they do is call them campgrounds all day long and. 
Um, you know, granted, not, not everybody's willing to sell right now, but uh, you know, we get the hold of the few that are, and uh, you know, and then they become very, very profitable deals for us. And then the ones that are not ready to sell, uh, we can still offer our management services uh, to help them kind of just free up their time. And say, hey, you can, you can still own it. You can still, you know, have total say over everything. But uh, we can help with the management of it and, and staffing and uh, improve it through the websites and all kind of things to to uh, uh, have it be still be their baby, but they can still. Kind of free up more of their time and then later yeah. down the road when they are ready to sell of course we'll be there to just to take it over yeah it's a brilliant model it's basically like a on the self-storage side cube smart extra space storage like it's what they do as well so it's really really smart strategy don yeah yeah um so back to like the investor perspective um you've had space in single family small multi commercial now you're doing happy camper capital. How are you bringing in investors and what does that investor journey look like with your company? Um, so I, I guess, first of all, for that comment, I actually have not done anything with single families. So uh, no, no, no single families at all in my portfolio or ever. Um, but uh, so yeah, we, we are, the, the, the interesting thing is all of our deals so far we have done is 506B, which means you do not have to be an accredited investor, which basically means an average person uh, can can invest in our deals as long as uh, we have some kind of existing relationship, like if they even know me or one of our partners uh, or somebody else involved with, with the company to, to be able to invest with us. Um, but it, it makes it, you know, the, the opportunity is there for, for anybody, no matter what your income level is at, to, to get into our deals. Um, so with that, though, that means also we, we cannot openly advertise it. So we do not go to... You know, make big commercials or be on social media saying, "Hey, come here's our deal. Come invest in it." Um, so with that, we have to go directly to the investors, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we of course do some some marketing, just in generalities. You know, like like what it may be here in the podcast, for example, um, or, or just some some kind of general um, social media, you know, marketing. I guess we'll say just to say, "Hey, we, you know, if you're if you're curious about investing in campgrounds, come talk to us." You know. Um, okay. That kind of thing. So, so, so I get on a lot of investor calls myself. You know, I'm on probably at least, uh, I'd say maybe 20 calls per week or if not more, um, just talking to, to people that are interested in investing with us. And that's just me, myself, you know, everybody else from our team is also talking to people. So, uh, we have people con- contacting us all the time and, and, uh, we do some direct outreach and then people, again, like, uh, we, we make appearances on like these podcasts, uh, people hear about it, want to learn more and they contact us after, um, but we also do a a, a, um, a monthly webinar we started doing. It's kind of an educational webinar, just in general information about finances, uh, not anything directly related to Happy Camper Capital, but uh, just things to help people improve their own personal, uh, you know, financial situation um, or investing options, you know, like investing with your IRA, uh, you know, creating a, a, a fund, uh, how to, uh, you know, invest using a, a uh, life insurance plan kind of thing. So mm-hmm. uh, lots of different things we, we kind of explore for, for options that people can can use just to help learn more themselves and also then use that to to invest and improve their, their personal financial situation. Um, so so yeah, so so go back to your question, I guess, long-winded answer. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a bit complicated against so we cannot openly advertise, but uh, you know, we we just, you know, get word of mouth a lot of times as well. You know, people that come invest with us, they realize these are great returns. Uh, that are and everybody else they know is investing in, in multifamily or, or something, and uh, they see what we're doing, and, and then go tell their friends like, hey, you can get better returns with Happy Camper Capital. Come talk to them. So, uh, so we get a lot of that just word of mouth uh, marketing as well. 
Okay, great. So five, 506B, pre-existing relationships, you're reaching out. And I love the fact that you're, you have a finance background, correct? Yes, that's correct. Nice. So you, you're using that to educate um, other people about their finances, whole life insurance. Is it whole life or just general? Or did, did I hear something else? No, well, well. Uh, so again, not my expertise. We we have experts come on and talk about these things. So okay, uh, but as far as I understand it, it's, it's whole life insurance. Yeah, they they you call that infinite banking concept. Um, essentially, creating a specific type of whole life insurance account that still creates uh, you know dividend income on that on that money value, mm-hmm. but you can also still borrow against it to invest without affecting the the dividends that come on that. So it's almost like making money in two places at the same time with the same money. So. Uh, we'll we'll okay. actually be doing a, a, a webinar on that one coming up in, in uh, uh, October. So okay, we can look out for that. <laughs> well, where can our listeners um, reach out to that webinar and, and join it if they would? Yeah, be- well, well, I'll see. You know, they, if they register on our website, happycampercapital.com. Okay, uh, you'll receive, you'll receive, of course, email notifications when those come up to register for them. Uh, you also find it on our website if you go to our website under I think it's resources and, and blog. Uh, you can find the the information about that to register as well. Uh, we, we we're doing them every month, so we have one coming up actually in um, in September eighth, and uh, then again uh, in October, and then November, December. So every pretty every month, plan on the first Thursday of the month. You know, with some some outside circumstances, not the first Thursday, but uh, typically we plan for the first Thursday of every month to uh, to do some type of educational webinar. Awesome, sounds good, man. Love it. Providing education to your investors is, I I think it's paramount. Um, and like you said, it's, investors aren't going to invest in something that they don't know or don't understand. So mm-hmm. yeah, and investing campgrounds all day long. So cool, man. Mm-hmm. Um, last segment of the show, one more question. What is something you wish I would have asked you from an investor standpoint? Um, I guess maybe uh... You know how someone can invest with Happy Camper Capital if you're interested in this. That's a great question. Uh, how can you website? Yeah, yeah. So, well, again, going going back to uh, what we said about the five six Bs. Yes, go go to website for sure. Uh, register there to, to learn more. But uh, also schedule time to talk with me or, or somebody else from our team. You can do that also on the website uh, under our, the About Us tab. You can find my information. Uh, you can find a, a calendar link for me directly. So you can, you can schedule time to talk with me um, and uh, get to know you know. Myself or some of us from our team, uh, but get on the website, be on the register, register on the investor portal to learn about deals as they come up. Uh, but you need to create that relationship with us now so you can be ready to, to invest in the, the next deal before it comes up. Um, because once we have it already listed and, and available to to invest in, if you don't know us before that point, you cannot invest in that deal. You have to wait for the next one. So uh, make sure you start building that relationship now so you can be ready to invest uh, when when you see an opportunity that you like. Awesome, love it. Don, thanks for coming on the show. I know I got a lot of value at it, a lot of gold nuggets, super cool niche that you're doing and just appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, man. Yeah, my, my pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, for sure. All our listeners, thanks for coming on and we look forward to next time. Talk soon. See you guys.